In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, one of the most frustrating stages in a child's development is when he starts asking a lot of questions. Right? He's growing and typically a child will start asking why and how and well, what does this mean and what does that do and why do we have to do this, why do we have to do that. It can be a little bit frustrating but we know that's like the natural development. Okay, We naturally seek explanations to everything in life. Okay? We're wired or we're created with an affinity to understand because God created us to be rational creatures. Okay? It's different than the beasts and all the creatures that God created on the earth. Man is exceptional in that way. He has the self-consciousness and an affinity to rationalize and to understand the meaning of life and why we do the things that we do and so on. Right? And today's passage seems to fall short of meeting that need. We, we read the same passage that we read last week. But in this passage today, we're left with a cliffhanger. And last week in Luke, we read the same passage, but it gives us the explanation of what the sower is doing and what the seeds mean and what the different types of soil mean. But in Matthew, kind of just ends at verse 9, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then we don't get the explanation that we got in Luke. So you might be wondering, like, is it just because Matthew's account doesn't mention the explanation like Luke? And we know that's not the case because Matthew does go on to explain the parable. Or maybe it's because... We already read the same passage, so we can say, all right, forget the explanation. We read it last week, but I don't know. That doesn't really satisfy it because we read the whole passage last week. So if we're going to go without the explanation, then we can go without the parable itself. So it really made me think. And I know why we read this specific passage, because whenever the lectionary was put together, the liturgical readings, this was a time whenever everybody would go out to sow. All the farmers would go and they would sow seed. And the church always spoke to the circumstances of the people. So it would always relate to what the people are doing. And all of these farmers are sowing. So throughout these two weeks, the church would tell the people to spiritualize this whole process instead of just sowing physical seeds, but to allow the Word of God, that spiritual seed, to penetrate our hearts. But still, why isn't the explanation included in the passage we read in Matthew? <laughs> and it's tough for me because I, I want to know the explanation. I want to know why. And if you didn't attend last week, then you just hear this and you don't get that explanation like you did in Luke. And we might say, well, the church just wanted to shorten the the service, but we know we're like the Coptic Orthodox Church, and shortening services isn't really our uh, our norm. <laughs> we always add and add and add, but cutting things short isn't typically what we do. So, anyways, this just made me think. Okay, made me think about 
all the things in life that doesn't satisfy that need to know and understand. It made me think about all the unknown in life. It made me think about all the ambiguities in life. All the situations and events that are never actually explained to us. And this is a challenge for us because it happens frequently, right? And we're an intellectual society. Not just because God created us with an, with an affinity to know and to understand, but in our society, like the 21st century, it's an intellectual age. Like we always got to know and understand. And if we don't understand something, we're reluctant to do it. So this is something that we grapple with quite often. Dr. Rossi in the book Becoming a Healing Presence says, Embracing ambiguity challenges our need to understand and control reality. After all, we're rational creatures with a God-given intellect. So this is a real challenge for us, and it's worth giving it some attention. Dr. Rossi actually spoke about this uh, event whenever they, they were going on a trip, and uh, his family got all packed up, and he had a younger child, and his, his son... Uh, from the very beginning of the trip, it was a long journey. It takes several hours. Uh, asked him, like, Dad, uh, when are we going to get there? And he says that in, in this specific situation, he was going to take a different route. So he didn't know exactly how long it was going to take. And they were driving at a strange time. So they didn't know how traffic would look. So he just told him, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, 10 minutes later, his son asks him, like, Dad, when are we going to get there? So he tells him, well, we're taking a different route, and uh, I've never driven this way before, so I, I really just don't know when we're going to get there. And then he says, okay, but 10 minutes later, he asks him the same thing. And then the funniest part is Dr. Rizzi says, we're going to get there in four hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> and then his son was like, great, thanks, Dad. And he didn't ask him that question one more time for the rest of the trip. Because his son was just itching to know. Like, deep down inside, he couldn't rest with that ambiguity or with that unknown. And we struggle with the same sort of concept. This idea of sitting without knowing what the next step is going to look like. In psychology, one measurement of a person's mental health and his sanity is how well he can deal with ambiguities or unknown situations. So this is really important for us. It's a measure of our sanity, our spiritual health. It's a measure of how mature we are in our walk with God. The more we can deal with these ambiguities and the unknown areas of our life with maturity, the, the more we, we grow. Okay? And whenever we have that tension and the anxieties and that fear and all the insecurities during the unknown periods of our life, we kind of reflect Dr. Rossi's son in that car ride whenever he just was sitting restlessly. But as we mature, we, we should grow out of that. Okay? So this is what I want to talk to you about today. How we can 
deal with the ambiguities in our lives. Now, the first thing that I want to say when it comes to the, an- the unknown and the ambiguities is we have to learn to embrace them. I know that's tough to swallow and to really do, but there's a hidden beauty in the unknown. And if we always complain during every situation that we don't understand, we miss out on what God is doing in our lives. All right? So the unknown is actually a time of growth, a time of benefit. And we have to learn to appreciate it. We have to just pause and say, I don't understand what's happening, but that's okay. I don't know what's coming, but that's okay. So long as God is with me, I'll be okay. It takes a lot of maturity to do that. Dr. Rossi says, when we begin to embrace ambiguity, we become less rigid, less black and white in our thinking. We become softer. We become more kind. It's a beautiful concept to say, we become less rigid. We're kind of relaxed. Okay? We're softer. We're less rigid. We're kinder. Okay? That's why it's so important for us to embrace the unknown in our lives. And yes, we should try to understand and to grow in our, uh, our wisdom and our understanding. But when it comes to situations that are beyond us, there's a maturity to say, I'm going to appreciate this and try to embrace this uh, untrodden territory, okay? We personally just become better when we learn to appreciate and embrace the ambiguities in our lives. So, I want to focus on two virtues that help us to actually embrace the ambiguities in our lives. One is humility, which is just to give up Control and the need to know and grasp everything, to kind of set our own need to know and to control situations off to the side and to lower ourselves in that sense. And two is faith. And that's simply to trust God. <laughs> I, I know it's not a new concept, but honestly, that's what it comes down to, to trust God. And to know that He'll manage everything according to His will, according to His love, according to His wisdom. Alright? When it comes to humility, one of the best models that I can think of is when Abraham was dealing with Lot. In Genesis 13, verses 8 and 9, we see one of the most beautiful encounters the livestock and the cattle for Abraham and Lot was growing. So they had a lot of cattle and they needed a little bit more space. And keep in mind, the big guy here is Abraham. He's the uncle. Lot is his nephew. So it's almost like his son, you know, someone much younger than him. All right, so... Just get an idea of what this scene looks like, that you have this elder, you have Lot, and they all have so much cattle that they need to give each other a little bit of space. Alright? So, it picks up here when Abraham says to Lot, 
Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdmen and my herdmen, for we're kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me, and if you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. How beautiful is that? Abraham says, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. You go over there, I'll go over here. You pick. Even though he didn't know what he would have to settle with. To say you pick first means I'm just going to have to settle with whatever's left over. I don't know what that land is going to look like. And of course, we know that Lot picked the better land, right? And he dwelt by the Jordan River, where it was fertile ground. Lot was just, you know, living life. Abraham, on the other hand, got the scraps. And he embraced that ambiguity because of his humility. He said, I don't need to know what land I'm going to settle with. He surrendered to God. He submitted to God's will by putting Lot first and himself last. Even though he didn't know what he was going to get. And he was the elder. He could have said, I choose. I'm the elder. I'm your uncle. I get the best land. I go here. You get the scraps. But he wasn't stuck on having control and like understanding and knowing everything. We have to recognize that we just don't need to know everything. I know society might fool us to think so, but the truth is we don't need to know everything. We're not entitled to understand everything. A lot of times we feel like we're entitled to know. We're entitled to understand. We've got to conceptualize it first. But we're limited, and we've got to recognize that. The more we elevate the significance of our understanding, the more we inflate our own ego. Okay? It's dangerous to say, I have to know. I have to understand. I need an explanation. It's dangerous to keep saying those things. A lot of times we make ourselves out to be like too good or too smart to be in the dark. But that wasn't Abraham. He didn't say, I'm too good to not know what's coming. And we saw that from the very first step of his life. We left his land and said, uh, I know that God will take care of me. So it can be pretty egotistical for us to say, I got to know this. I got to understand this. I got to have an explanation. So we need to let go of our need to control, our need to understand everything. We need to just have the humility to say, I'm not above the ambiguities of life. All right? The second part is faith, okay? And that's simply to trust in God's love and wisdom. To know that even though we're entering into this unknown, we're entering into this ambiguous period, that God is wise. God is love. He will take care of me. He's not just sitting back in his lazy boy chair and just chilling, relaxing, like, you figure it out. No, He's active. And He manages our lives according to His will, according to His goodness. St. Pope John Paul, he meditates on how God deals with us. 
And he speaks on God's behalf saying, Have no fear of moving into the unknown. Simply step out fearlessly, knowing that I'm with you. Therefore, no harm can befall you. All is very, very well. Do this in complete faith and confidence. Have no fear. Even though you're stepping out into the unknown, if you do this fearlessly and you know that I'm with you, then you will confide in in faithfulness and confidence in me. One of the best examples I can think of is when, when we think of our parents as they immigrated from Egypt to America. A lot of times people think that going from Egypt to the land of the free, that it's like you have a red carpet right in front of you and everything is all good and dandy, everything is going to be perfect. But I know people that took that leap of faith and they would come out here, would spend night sleeping on the streets. I know someone, personally I spoke to him and he told me. They came out here, he didn't know what it would look like. And he expected that he would have to grind it out. He didn't know how long it would take. He didn't know if he would be able to get his citizenship and his paperwork and to find work and to transfer all of his education and the degree that he earned and all that hard work to translate into a real job and stability out here. And I remember speaking to a person who went through this process and asked him about how he was able to take this leap. And he simply said, I knew that God would take care of me. I knew that God would take care of my family. That God never leaves his children. Like if I am this concerned about my family, how much more is God's concern for us? Unfortunately, because we're such an intellectual society, we struggle with taking that leap of faith. And it's good to be intellectual. It's good to think about things and, and to process things and trying to understand things. But it can really take away from our simplicity. It can take away from the purity of our faith. Every time we just demand to know and grasp things first, then we limit our own growth. We despise the unknown instead of embracing it. And that's, in a nutshell, what our society looks like now. But Christians have to be that light of faith. Every Christian should stand out. You shouldn't just blend in. Shouldn't just say like the rest of the world is saying, I'm not going to do it unless I get it. I'm not going to do it unless I understand it. I'm not taking a step forward. You know, we'll all just look like Peter in that case. Like, I'm not going to step out from the boat into the water unless I understand how it's possible for me to stand on water. And this is the biggest reason why we're typically so stressed out. Like, every new chapter we don't understand gives us anxiety. And we live 
in this like tension. But if we have that peace, we live in peace and we embrace the ambiguities and the unknown and appreciate the mysteries of life and just wonder at what God is doing in our lives, we start to grow in peace and joy. And that sense of wonder and that appreciation for the mysteries of life are more than enough. Bishop Calistus Ware says, we see that it's not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. How beautiful is that? To say that God is the cause of our wonder. And it's better for Him to give us the sense of wonder in the midst of the mysteries of life than to just keep spoon-feeding us answers and explanations. And we got to be careful. Whenever we head down this road of needing answers and explanations for everything, we got to step back and just appreciate the ambiguities of life. Not to say that we just walk through life cluelessly and say, I'm not going to think about what's happening, but to say, if there's no explanation, I put my life in God's hands, and I trust Him. And I appreciate what He's doing, even though I don't get it, even though I don't understand what's happening now, even though there's a lot of unknown tomorrow. So I'll leave you with this final story. During the Arab-Israeli war, I think in the late 60s, there was an Arab soldier that was deployed to fight in the war. He was a Coptic guy. And his, his mother sent him with a note, like a little prayer to protect him. And on this note, it said, May the God of Israel protect you. And this is, from the Psalms. May the God of Israel protect you. So he had this in his bag and he entered into his battalion, but they were searching everything there just for their security checks and they saw this psalm in his bag. May the God of Israel protect you. And obviously they're fighting against Israel. So they see this and they say, this guy's a spy. So they take him and they torture him. Day after day, they lock him up. He's tortured. And for an entire week, they're torturing him. Every day, he's afflicted and suffering. And he's asking God, like, why are you doing this? Like, this was supposed to be your protection. This psalm was supposed to serve as, like, my fortress. But why am I suffering and why am I tortured right now? After a long, strenuous, crippling week, they finally go to this guy and they say, look, we realize we made a mistake and um, it looks like there's really no proof that you're a spy. And like we apologize and... Obviously, like, apology is not going to do much for this guy at this point. 
But he says, whatever, just send me back to my battalion. And they tell him, oh, well, we actually can't send you back. Your, your battalion was just attacked a couple of days ago. And everybody in your battalion was wiped out. All the Israelites killed everybody in your battalion. And so this was like that moment of clarity where he realized that God was protecting him. During that moment, it made no sense. During that moment, he might as well have just said God doesn't exist or that he's incompetent or he really just doesn't care about me. He didn't know what tomorrow would hold. He didn't even know if he would survive. But by God's grace, he was given the the knowledge of God's wisdom. He really understood what God was doing. And to be honest, we don't get that privilege all the time. Sometimes we go through these afflictions and then... We just wake up the next day and keep walking through life. And we don't really know what God was doing. A lot of times, we just struggle with the uncertainties of our life and we question and a lot of anxieties and a lot of stress is consuming us. But God is working. God is always present. And if we just have the humility to say, God, I'm nothing but I know Your love is everything. And to have the faith to say, God, I trust you. I know that your love is unconditional. What you want for me, what you're planning for me, is far greater than anything that I can imagine. So I hope that we embrace the ambiguities, all the unknown in our life, to be cheerful, to be joyful, to be peaceful in the midst of all the chaos. We don't know when this pandemic is going to end. We don't know how the vaccine will look like. We don't know if life will return to any sort of normalcy. We don't know so much, but that's okay. It's okay because we have a Heavenly Father that loves us. Unto Him is due all glory forever and ever. Amen.